So pineapples and peaches and pomegranates, oh my. Hello, and welcome to Chronically Narnia, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Chronicles of Narnia, chapter by chapter, and today we are discussing chapter 13 of The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. This chapter is called The Three Sleepers. Ooh. Ooh. I am a mysterious door in a hillside, also known as Kristen, and this is my co-host. I'm a bright lobster, also known as Chris. <laughs> Sometimes I get you with these. You do. <laughs> Especially because I've been looking at crustacean shirts in an attempt to find a crawdad shirt for you. Uh-huh. Out of context, that sounds really weird. Yes, it does. <laughs> but I've been looking for them, and so you being introduced as a bright lobster especially tickles me. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to a chapter. Really? I know. It's crazy. We're, we're, we're we getting... We haven't had one of those in a while. We're getting close to the end of this book. We are. I mean, we can sail further, but this is the beginning of the end. This is the beginning <laughs> of the end. How do we start this podcast? We do our summaries. Uh-huh. Uh, we, as Chris and I are reading the chapters, we each select five sentences out of the chapter. I almost went back to saying three to five sentences. That was weird. Oof. My brain, Throw like... Back. Yeah, my brain in its tired state was just like, this is what we remember saying. <laughs> we do a five-sentence summary. As Chris and I are reading through the chapter, we each select five sentences out of the chapter in an attempt to, t- in an attempt to tell the story of the chapter in its own words in a much abridged version. Um, yeah. With that said, I feel like there was a lot in this chapter... And I, and I almost wanted to write two summaries and make you go first so that I could cover, like, the other half of the chapter if uh-huh. you chose to feature one specific side. That's the challenge, babe. But, yeah, anyway. Um, so why don't you go ahead and go first? Okay. I did not, in fact, write okay. two. Okay, I'm just <laughs> snickly looking over at your paper. Yep. Look, you don't get ten sentences. Mm-mm. All right, so this is my summary. Those new stars were big and bright, and the nights were warm. Everyone now came close and saw that what sat in those three chairs were three men, though hard to recognize as men till you looked closely. They took some time choosing their seats at the perilous table. And now a door opened in the hillside, and light appeared in the doorway, and a figure came out, and the door shut behind it. Some call this island the world's end, for though you can sail further, this is the beginning of the end. What? So, there you go. It was a hard chapter to summarize, but mm-hmm. that's what I got. I may have accidentally written two sentences here, though, because I... No, no, that's... that's Well, because I have a period and then a capital uh-huh. in the middle of one of my sentences. Yeah, that would imply that it's two sentences. Yes, but it starts with and. <laughs> so I have to check because one of my sentences might actually be two sentences. Kristen just trying to sneak an extra sentence in there so hard. I'm not doing it on purpose. <laughs> Breaking our arbitrary rules that we set for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Fudge. Okay. Yeah. So. All right. I can read it correctly. Cool. On an evening of startling beauty, 
when the sunset behind them was so crimson and purple and widely spread that the very sky itself seemed to have grown larger, they came in sight of land on their starboard bow. Everyone now came close and saw that what sat in those three chairs was three men, though hard to recognize them as men till you looked closely. This is the Lord Argos, and this is the Lord Mavramorn. And now a door opened in the hillside, and light appeared in the doorway, and a figure came out, and the door shut behind it. Travelers who have come from far to Aslan's table, said the girl. Yeah, yeah, we had two sentences that yeah. we There you go. Hey, you're tired. Yeah. Anyway, so three sleepers. Uh, this is... Argos, Mavramorn, and the other guy. I like this chapter. This was probably my favorite chapter in the book thus far. Really? Interesting. Um, yeah, so possibly my sleep out of brain. But also, I think it's actually uh, really decent, and it's really interesting. And I don't know, maybe I'll include that in my baseless speculation as to, like, you know, Lewis was just like, he got into the good whiskey on this one. And just like... <laughs> See, it's interesting that town. you found this to be one of the, your favorite chapters. There are elements of this that I really appreciate, uh-huh. but there's so much in this chapter that I'm just like, why? Uh-huh. There's so much an intrigue and mystery. I mean, there's a lot to talk about. We yeah. can get into to some of that, but go ahead and finish what you were saying. Uh, anyway, yeah, just like the chapter a lot, and cool. So let's let's just get into it. Okay, so this chapter starts where they're looking at all the new constellations, and the sky is different, and all of that. A lot of star imagery. Yes, and an unknown amount of time spent as the wind slowly decreases and the water becomes more and more lake-like yep how many days worth of uh reserves did they have i don't know 21 something like that well after the last island i'm not sure how many no, we had no no just no I, i'm about <sighs> to tell you i want to know what the ship can hold yeah because they've added a person to their crew now mm-hmm. but like prior to adding that person they spent 12 days going to the dark island it was 12 days from the Duffelput Island uh-huh. to the Dark Island. Yeah. Which means that they only have like 11 days worth of supplies right now. Maybe a little less because they have an additional person now that they picked up on the Dark Island. Yeah. And they don't have water supplies for more than 11 days. Yeah. And they just, they're just looking at the sunset. It's getting, you know, slower, the wind's dying. Yeah. Well, you know how it is when you're at sea. Like, maybe it was just like four days and it felt like 20. I don't know. Yes, but either way, they have still gotten past, like, the no return point. Yeah. To get back to the duffers to get supplies if they needed them. Yeah, it's problematic, isn't it? Yes. Hmm. Well, we can always throw a rope overboard or something. <laughs> uh, for this chapter, he stays on the ship. Yes. Uh, and He's traumatized. as as I expected, he does not become a narrative thing at all. He has, has no dialogue. It just says, nope, he stays in the ship. He doesn't want to see any more islands. Accurate. Cool. All right, that's rope taken care of. Yep. Uh, but it's really pretty island in the low rolling hills. And there's something that smells like purple. <laughs> 
Or maybe rot. A dim purple kind of smell. Yes, or maybe rot. Yeah. Edmund and Eustace agreed, or Edmund and Caspian agreed. Or uh, Edmund and Rince agreed that ah. it was a purple, uh, that it was rot. Caspian agreed with Lucy that it smelled purple. <laughs> so, who even knows? Well, I always wondered what rot smelled like. Mm-hmm. Now I know it's purple. Yeah. Well, I thought purple just smelled like grape. Uh, <laughs> so we go on board the, uh, you know, on board. You that's how you go do on board with the island. Yeah, that's how you do with islands. You get on board. You get on that's, board. That's how you do. <laughs> because basically what is an island except like a really big ship? Um. <laughs> you know? <laughs> they don't really float. That's true. I mean, well, depending on how you interpret tectonic plates and magma flows, maybe they do. But... Mm-hmm. They don't really float. They don't. <laughs> this is so, this is not a cosmology podcast. Yeah, it's not. So, and they start exploring, and they see these giant things, which might be giants, or might be towers. They might be trees. Yep. Um, I don't know how they can all, like, like trees or towers, maybe I kind of get. I don't think anybody uh, is understanding how anybody can see giants. I think just more of them need glasses. Yeah, I possibly. think is what it is. Because, like, <laughs> I can look over there... And, and I don't know what those big white things are uh-huh. without my glasses on. And I also don't know how they're oriented. Like, the ones in the back could be way closer and then, like, stairs stepping away. Like Those are clouds. No, those aren't clouds. <laughs> they're silos. It was, a, it was a joke. No, I know it was a joke. But I, I, that's not the kind of... And that's what the top of them looks like now that I've put my glasses back on. Yep, that... Mm-mm. Nope, they were much shorter without my glasses. Uh-huh. Anyway, those big white things. They could be giants. So anyway... Uh, I can bunch... see six big silos outside yeah. of our window, and I don't even know what they're holding. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, everybody's nearsighted, I guess. And Reepicheep is the first one. It would be one. really nice to have a dragon right now. Sorry, I'm just going to keep pointing that out. You really wanted Eustace to stay a dragon for the I entire did! book, didn't you? It's his whole transformation-y thing, though. Uh, yeah. So anyway, we saw giants. Okay. Possibly towers. Now, now I know where we're at. Possibly big trees. And, of course, Reepicheep rushes in. Who's just like, only one way to find out. And they find a big old table full of all sorts of... Delicious, food, delicious looking food and delightful looking food which is clearly enchanted like mm-hmm. we've got to give them credit that they at least figured that out yeah but a greater banquet even than what peter would throw when he was high king at caraparaville oh yeah like this is just all like turkey and geese and peacocks i've never eaten a peacock i don't know if they taste good but who said any of that was there for the food that was just the decorations and there were <laughs> there were ice puddings they were and... just wandering around those were the guests chris <laughs> They're talking peacocks. Don't yeah. be this way. This is very Alice in Wonderland style uh, scene. <laughs> Expected the Mad Hatter to show up at the end of the table. Yep. Um, so pineapples and peaches and pomegranates. Oh my. And uh, <laughs> gold flagons and, and just all sorts of stuff. And everybody gets real excited. There's also like... And we're, and we're going to find out later that this is Aslan's table as I mentioned in my summary. <gasps> as I mentioned in my summary... So you can't react yeah. that it's a spoiler. Uh-huh. There's no art depicting the lion, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. This is Aslan's second table. You know. Yeah. Yeah, the other one. This just seems to be a happier, it's a happier table. 
and like I want to talk about table imagery when we actually get into like our general discussion but like Mm -hmm. there's so much about this table that I want to know more about but I also don't understand why it's here so continue you yeah anyway they get there there's three figures at the end of the we don't know what they are they could be beavers they're just ghillie suits they could be beavers or a huge bird's nest or haystacks like again like really drives the point home that they can't see Mm -hmm. uh, in this chapter apparently and maybe maybe that's something about the island is just like you know we go from the dark island to like the blurry island where like unless you're right on top of something you can't really tell what it is I'd like to know who said which ones and like if there's actually like a parallel like the one who saw giants also saw beavers like I want to know where all of their heads are at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw I saw towers. I saw haystacks. I'm focusing on industry like mm-hmm. oh I saw giants and I saw beavers. I'm focusing on remembering Narnia like yeah. what does it reveal about the character? Of the person, what they interpret this input as. Apparently Caspian likes to farm. Um, <laughs> or bird's nests. Yeah. The uh, late great comedian Mitch Hedberg. Trees. Bird's nests. Nature. One of them's nature. Sorry, go ahead. Great, <laughs> late great comedian. Mitch Hedberg once said that he doesn't think it's in the issue that people can't take pictures of Bigfoot. It's that maybe Bigfoot's just really blurry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's yep. just a large blurry monster wandering around the woods. It's from this island. Maybe, yep. maybe this is three Bigfoots <laughs> sitting there having a meal. Yep. Entirely possible. Anyway, Reaper Sheep runs up, rushes in, finds out. Runs Reaper down Sheep. the table. Reaper Sheep would not last, like, three games into a D&D session. <laughs> like, he would just die immediately. We can call it Sol- We can call Reap Solgrid. Uh-huh. <laughs> he just rushes in. Uh... Anyway, cross-reference with our other podcast. Ha-ha. <laughs> Doing some promotional material. But they're not beavers or haystacks at all. They are, in fact, men. And they have incredibly hard long hair. as men. Yep. Very, very long hair. Very long beards wrapped around all sorts of things. And they appear to be asleep. Yes. Now, we're going to find out shortly mm-hmm. that they've been asleep for seven years. It's quite a while. The average person's hair grows you, half an inch a month, you, which done means research six for this inches one. a year. Uh-huh. This is just anecdotal information that I happen to possess. Uh-huh. The average human hair growth is half an inch a month, which means six inches in a year, which means that like the theoretical average hair growth length for seven years worth of time is 42 inches. Yep. That's a lot of hair. Mm-hmm. It's almost four feet of hair, in fact. I don't know what the beard length growth is, though, because I'm picturing, like, beards onto the table and, like, intertwined, because it kind of says that. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I'm just trying to get a realistic idea of how much hair would be there. Maybe it's and all... whether or not it's actually enough to mistake a person as not a person. And, you know, very long-haired beavers. Uh, <laughs> yes, but I don't know. Maybe the enchantment that m- made them sleep also increased their rate of hair growth for some weird reason. Mm-hmm. Like, we know magic does weird things in Narnia based on all the crap in uh, Karayakin's book. <laughs> um, 
Maybe the rest of the people at the table are all invisible. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Maybe we found more duffel puds. Maybe. There's some sleeping duffel puds here. <laughs> so anyway, find out these guys are asleep. They try to wake him up. Doesn't work. And they they think it might because they say some things in their sleep when they're shaken or aroused. I don't know if we would need to spend any time on what they actually say. Uh, though through context clues, one of them says something like, uh, Go back to Narnia. Yep, one or of them says, I'll give you some, some mustard. And one of them yep. says to go on. Yep. Go to the east while you've got a chance. Lands behind the sun. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, I, actually, no. I did want to pause and talk about one thing one of them says. About mustard? Uh, well, yes. Let's talk about mustard in Narnia. Mm-hmm. And what condiments are common. Uh, but we know mustard is a thing, which is fascinating. But anyway, one of them says, weren't born to live like animals. Ah, yes. What do you think he's referring to here? Don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, because these are Telmarines who don't who left Narnia before the restoration of the Narnians, like the talking animals and dwarves and everything of Narnia. Mm-hmm. So these are these are Telmarines who don't like know about Narnia as anything except stories as far as the talking animal side of things go. Mm-hmm. So with that said, like what's what are they talking about? Yeah, what we weren't born to live like animals is that is that to do with the fact that they're like all on a boat Possibly. sailing together and they're just like well, like as we find out shortly, like their their boat like arrived at this island in tatters basically and they're like broken timbers and like the sails are rags and like it, apparently they had had quite a hard journey i mean mm-hmm. at this point uh spoiler which the, i mean i also want to know did they arrive here in tatters or did Kariakin fix their ship like he fixed because right. he said that the the lords had been there they had been there and that's the one island they didn't leave anybody behind on mm-hmm. and so this is as we find out, apparently the final resting place of the last three of the lords. We've now found them all, because these are the lords uh, Argaz, Revillian, and Mavermorn. So, I, I'm I'm still unclear. Did they arrive at Karaikins with a torn up ship? Did uh, Karaikin say anything about it? Because why do we know that their ship was torn up here? The woman says something yes. about it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, woman talks about it when she's talking about the enchantment that's on them. Which means, if, if that's the case... If Kariakin did fix their ship, mm-hmm. that it got wrecked at trying to escape from the Dark Island? Possibly. And then, like, why did they leave Roop behind there? Because Roop was like, oh, it was stories of this place that brought me here. Who's told stories <laughs> about it? Well, who? We, we can get into that. Who? Because there's a lot of clues in this chapter also that... No, no, but, like, who was telling <sighs> stories about an island where dreams come true? Because every single person that anyone on the Dawn Treader has spoken to about anything beyond Eastward, anyone has mm-hmm. all said, nope, don't know anything about that way. Don't know. Nope, don't know anything about that way. There are clues, though, in this chapter that uh, they are not the first people that have arrived at this island. Uh-huh. Well, so. I mean, there's towers. Yeah. There's a table full of food. Yeah. Well, that's you could you could explain that away as Aslan. There's Mavramorn and Yes, but before the lords arrive there, there's 
where were their clues? Well, we'll get there. there I had a couple things that, that seemed to imply that people had been here before. Okay. Um. <laughs> anyway, this is a rough one. I just don't know uh, what you're talking about. Like, was okay. there a path? Tell me. You've made me more confused. I mean, when they're talking to the woman that we'll get to, she says, some call this island the world's end. So, obviously, there are people that have been here and named it something. Okay, you said when they got to the island. Not, like, after they spent the night there. So, uh, that's yeah. why I was confused. Yeah. I was like, yeah, no, they saw cliffs. Yeah. Uh, they saw nowhere to park <laughs> no, their boat. I, I wasn't saying, like, signs of civilization. I'm saying, like, they find out that they are not the first people here. Okay. Or yeah. we can imply that. Okay. Okay. Anyway, that's what I was trying to get at. So, they can't wake up the sleepers. Mm-hmm. But, but they have decided that it should be their quest. But it should be their quest. And for whatever reason, and I don't know why this is a plot thing or why they decide to do this at all, they're just like, hey, we need to stay here. Like, we could go back to the ship, but spending the night at the table seems like a good idea. Whose idea is it? Uh, Reaper Cheeps. Yep. Where he's just like, oh, I don't want anybody to think that I didn't uh, find all the adventure there was to be found. And, you know, this isn't going to be a good story, and I don't want to leave a mystery behind through fear. But, like, there's an enchanted table, there's people sleeping at it. They can come back the next day. Like, they can keep investigating the table. Like, there's no reason for them to be like, no, we got to sleep here sitting at the table. Also, why I, did they sit at the table and yeah, not, like, and that, set on the up ground. a camp? Yeah. yeah. Like, why do they... And they spend so much time trying to decide where to sit, which yeah. I do appreciate, because they're like, well, if we sit over here and it gets dark, we're not going to be able to see them anymore. Uh-huh. The sleepers, and if they do come back to wake at the night, like that's gonna be really creepy. But we don't want to sit right next to them. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate the discourse on like where they sit at the table because it's the kind of thing that I would also do. Yeah, as a me. And this is another thing. It's just like one of those D and D puzzles. This is like the players encounter this and spend three hours arguing about how to approach the table and where to sit. <laughs> uh, and. That's that's the entire game. But anyway, they they argue about that, and everybody decides to stay with Reapacheep, except Drenian, who gets sent back to the ship. And Caspian's just like, no. Go away. You, you go away. You had a hard day. Go sleep. And so they... And I, and I didn't have a hard day, so I should do some <laughs> I work. I barely did any work. I should sleep at this table. So they decide to stay overnight at the table. Wrap themselves in their sea cloaks. I kind of want a sea cloak, by the way. This is a new thing <laughs> on my wish list. And they talk about the stars some more. Like, Lucy uh, wants the familiar, old familiar constellations from Narnia. They talk about the stars being in different positions, and I feel like there's a lot of star imagery here. Lots and lots of star imagery. Uh, which I, I want to get to a little bit in my uh, baseless speculation. I got mm-hmm. something there. Um... It says the sky was very black except for the faintest possible grayness in the east. Which means, well, that was the dawn coming. Okay, that's, that's, okay. That's, that was. I was making sure that was anything. No, that was the dawn coming. Uh, but then they wake up and then something happens and there's a hill behind the table and a door opens up in the hill, Mm -hmm. light spills out, and someone walks out of it. Yep. And it's apparently a pretty blonde woman. It is. Uh... I've met some of those. <laughs> they usually don't come out of light-filled doors in the hills, though. Usually not. No. Just, you know, occasionally. So she approaches, and it's this blonde woman wearing this uh, blue dress. Mm-hmm. Uh, bareheaded. 
I read the sentence like four times to figure out what it actually meant. She was bareheaded and her yellow hair hung down her back. And I was just like, oh, she's not wearing like a hat or something. Mm-hmm. Which is like a really weird way to phrase that. And I was just like, bareheaded, is she bald? But her, her yellow hair is hanging, wow, how does it's that work? It's also really weird to say barefooted. It, well. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever. Or bareback. Like, these are all things that people say. I just never heard bareheaded you. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm tired. <laughs> she wasn't wearing a crown. She wasn't wearing a crown. Which like, maybe she should have been. But she comes out holding a candle, and apparently all the wind from the sea has died down because the candle flame is very still. Comes out with the candle, sits it on the table, and then we notice something else is on the table, which we hadn't noticed before because we distracted, we got distracted by all the food and whatnot. Or maybe it wasn't there before. Possibly. And there is a stone knife, sharp as steel, a cruel-looking, ancient-looking thing. Yes. What do we think that is, Kristen? Well, Lucy will eventually recognize it as the knife that the White Witch used to kill Aslan on the stone table. Kind of a bummer of a thing to have on the dinner table. And here we have a table, Mm -hmm. which was one of the instruments of Aslan's death. Yes. With the other instrument of Aslan's death present on the table. Yeah. Which is... (laughs) Which, like, that, the symbolism of that, I'm really, like, confused to some extent by. Well, I was going to say the symbolism uh, is pretty, and it makes sense here. It's also really weird if we take this to, like, a real-world interpretation of being like, hey, Aslan's Jesus. It's like them stumbling into an island and finding a big crucifix with, like, a bunch of pastries nailed to it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, we found a cross with a bunch of food just tacked onto it. Yep. That looks delicious. It's, yeah. It, when you put it that way, it just seems really odd. <laughs> oh, With like, that said, though, there is also a lot of um, Catholic churches that are specifically designed and built in the shape of a cross, mm-hmm. where they have four wings, mm-hmm. and they're designed and shaped to be a cross. Yeah. And that is kind of like where you could say a real world... Like, parallel of being, like, this is, like, the Church of Aslan? Yeah. I don't know. Just so, a thought. Something like that. Uh, I mean, there's also, like, could be very clear communion-esque imagery here. Mm, yeah. Yes. Where this is, you know, the symbolic of Aslan's body, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So. See if they have some red wine. Uh, well, Reaper Cheap's cup does get full. Yep. So he toasts to the lady. He toasts to the lady because they all think she's pretty neat. And she tells him the story of how the sleepers ended up here. So is she now the Holy Spirit? Is that (laughs) Uh, not Lucy anymore? Maybe. I don't think so. I'll get into it. Okay. Um, She's John the Baptist. Oh, wait. No, that was Father Christmas. Everybody's John the Baptist. Uh, So seven years ago, ship shows up with the three lords on it. It's beaten and broken. They've lost half their lords, more than half. Uh, and they come to this place, find the table, and just like, you know what? Here's as good a place as any to settle down, because, like, we've had a hard journey, like, we've lost a bunch of people, and a couple of them want to stay here and end their days in peace and be like, hey, look, there's magical food. But they sit down and have an argument about what to do, and she said they never touched the food. Never touched the food. But one of them touched the knife, and that's when they were enchanted to sleep. Yep. 
that's apparently a big no-no. Like, eat, eat of the food, drink of the wine, don't touch the big knife that's sitting there. Especially don't use it to carve up your peacock. Like... Don't do it. Uh, so that, 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 I mean, that's, that's I guess, an interesting enchantment. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, hey, it's not, like, death, or you're not cursed. I, I guess you, it's kind of a curse. Or just like, hey, there's this very holy artifact that's meant to be on display here, and if you touch it, oh, you just fall asleep. And you stay asleep for indefinitely. Yep. So they have a fight about it. And... According to the lady. According to the lady, who we don't know if we can trust, but she says all you can do is believe. Yeah. Hmm. This is Aslan's table, though, she says, and... What we know of Aslan, we wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't uh, abide someone abusing his name in that way and being like, this is Aslan's table. Yeah. And it, it is here for travelers who come this far out to sea. So, I don't know, I, I think we should spend some time here because this is, there's a lot of imagery in this. And like, just the idea of the table being set out with this magical feast. Like, the food's not enchanted. Like, this is just here for people to enjoy themselves. Except that it also kind of is because the food is apparently refreshed every refreshed, day. Refreshed, yeah. Really magical food. Like, a lot of magical food in this book. Like, Karayankan, just, you know, the, we visited him and he makes a big magical feast appear. Yeah. Uh, the... I mean, not necessarily food, but we have the whole imagery of Eustace as the dragon eating the other dead dragon. Yep. Uh, so there was that. I feel like there was something else. There was something else, like, uh, Eustace trying to steal the water. Uh, burn through a feast for them. And they were having a little feast while with, Ca- with, well, with Caspian was while the others were being sold in slave market yeah so a lot of feasting a lot of eating and drinking in this book but anyway uh so magic food what was i trying to say here reaper cheap is just like you know what the food's okay i'm gonna partake fill my cup caspian and caspian obliges fills his cup and i have a fun artwork of uh reaper cheap with his tiny thimble full of uh wine i don't know if you have the similar artwork there but i don't believe i my art is reaper cheap investigating the three hair balls. Oh, yeah. I have that one, too. Yeah. But I also have uh, Reba Cheap being a lush. Uh, I mean, I think it's funny that, like, you know, this is Reba Cheap's book. And, like, he's the one that's always rushing into danger. He's always saying we should fight things. He He's the bravest of them, among them. And he's, like, this, you know, courageous fighter. Mm-hmm. And we have this moment here where he's just like, can you fill my wine cup for me? I can't lift the pitcher. <laughs> Like, this very strong, noble mouse is just like, yep, can't lift it. Hey, King, you want to you wanna top me up? Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's interesting. <sighs> Why is it called Aslan's Table, asked Lucy presently. It is set here by his bidding, said the girl, for those who come so far. So is this, like, a pilgrimage, or, like, this is, like, this is a destination, I mean, it does seem that way, It, but there's also, like, because obviously there are now two ships that we know of that have come here. Yes. But that wasn't the goal of the second ship to get there. Like, the first ship was, like, we are just exploring. Yeah. The second shift, ship was, like, we are 
in name, going to go find the people who got lost exploring. But also adventure. But also adventure. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious about these people that have been here before. Like it, it implies that, yes, they're not the first ones here. The lords weren't the first ones here. Aslan put this here for people to find. Mm -hmm. And yet, if we go back to the west, toward Narnia, nobody has any idea beyond, like, wild stories of, like, what exists out here. Mm -hmm. So anybody who's come through here has never come back. Well, you say wild stories. Mm -hmm. But I've... How many of them are in, like, how many of them would actually be inaccurate for me to tell you, oh, yeah, and then we found a place... The island was just full of invisible people. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, we found a place where, like, dreams come true and, like, literal dreams, and it was the most terrifying thing ever. Yeah. You know, it, like, that's a wild story. It is, but it seemed to, like, way back when we were on, like, the Lone Islands, they seemed to imply that whoever, like, sailors they talked to that had stories about what was further east were just, like, full of crap and had no idea where they were talking about and didn't, they, they couldn't find a single reliable source of information here. So, anybody who comes out this well, far. I think what you're saying is they couldn't find anyone who could say, yes, I went that way. Yes. What? So, for the most part, nobody comes back. That's ominous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Eustace asks the very important question of how does the food keep. Which is valid. Uh-huh. And uh, we find out that it's magically renewed. You'll see it. And then... Maybe magically <laughs> renewed. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. We don't know yet. Uh, I just like the image of it not being magically renewed and just like, you know, this this lady's just up at three o'clock every morning cooking this entire feast every day. Yeah, and that's what I'm <laughs> saying. Maybe it's not magical. Um, yeah, Caspian starts awkwardly flirting. And it's just like, in the world where my friends come from, there's this story about uh, some enchanted castle or something where everybody's fallen into a deep sleep. I was trying really hard to figure out what story he's talking about. Like, it doesn't sound familiar. Sleeping Beauty? No. Like he says, they have a story of a prince or king coming to a castle where all the people lay in an enchanted sleep. And I was trying to figure out if that was something that that is a line in the book. Here, you can you don't have to get your book. It's right there. And I was trying to figure out if that is a reference to a specific story that I'm missing. In that story, he could not dissolve the enchantment until he had kissed the princess. Yes. All right. That's why I was I, like, no, I just needed... <laughs> I needed to know that I wasn't misremembering because I know distinctly that I read about kissing a princess. Yes. So with your literature background, does this ring a bell to you? I mean... You really want a Sleeping Beauty, this, but listeners, if we But we're... also Snow White. I mean, we have a few stories of kissing the princess to dissolve the enchantment. Yeah. And Caspian's just like, does this, does this work that way? And she responds to that and says, uh, but here it's different. Here he cannot kiss the princess till he has dissolved the enchantment. So, like, the kiss isn't what undoes the magic. You have to undo the magic first, and then apparently she's available. I so just, it's a... I, I, at no point did I read any of that as flirting. At no point did I catch at all that, like, Caspian's trying to kiss her. Yeah. Or, or call her a princess. Yeah. Or she's, like, talking about herself in that way either. Like, no, don't know. None of that, all of that went completely over my head. Oh, yeah, this is very obviously, like, a back and forth thing. Yeah, and... yeah completely went over my head yep and not, not even gonna lie here did not not pick up on any of that i'm not good at that kind of thing how did you ever get married um anyway 
That's a good question, Chris. How, how did you get this well, figured I'm, out? I mean, our officiant had, did have to tell you to kiss me, so. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Caspian gets real desperate at that. And it's just like, well, then in the name of God, show me, show me how to lift this enchantment because I need kisses. Um, yep. And she says, my father will teach you that. And then everybody seems like shocked that she has a dad, I guess. And she's like, your father, said everyone, exclamation point. And I'm just like, I don't know why that's like a shocking thing that everybody is exclaiming. Oh, I mean, don't you know that strange women carrying candles, like... They, they don't have dads, they usually. They don't have dads? Who is he? Where is he? Et cetera, et cetera. And she says, look. And then the door opens in the hillside again, and they can see a figure. Uh, actually, no. They don't see a figure. They see something that's really hard to, to picture in my head, because I read the sentence, like, three times. They could see it more easily now. For a while they had been talking, the stars had grown fainter, and great gaps of white light were appearing in the grayness of the eastern sky gaps of light so it's not like a sunrise it's just like like are these columns like are these like doors in the air read the sentence uh the stars had grown fainter and great gaps of white light no were... the one before where are they looking look said the girl turning around and pointing at the door in the hillside so she points at the door yes and then they could see it more easily now for a while they had been talking. The stars had grown fainter. They could not, they can see the door more clearly now because they couldn't see the door before, which is why it had surprised them when she came out of it. Okay, sorry. That was a really confusing and sentence for my brain to parse. they see the door more now because of the sunrise. Okay, so we look to the door. That's how the chapter ends. Cool. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there, there's the really interesting table imagery. Like, I think there's uh, a lot of illusions here. Like, there's... We have the motif of the star imagery. We have this mysterious lady. And this is one of those moments where I'm a little disappointed that you've already read all these books because I feel like we could have a really fun conversation about who the lady is or what she symbolizes. But you know, you're already aware. So, like, you would just be... I don't know what she symbolizes. Like, I, I have lots of ideas yeah. and things about that. I do know one detail about her. That's all I can remember. Okay. Well, without spoiling anything... Uh, what and do you I think? only remember it now that we're discussing the chapter because, like, upon reading it, I was like, still don't remember. So, what do you think about the symbolism here? Anything we want to cover before we move on? I think that light is a very, very consistent imagery in this chapter where we start with talking about the stars, like the stars and the light. I'm gonna lump together mm -hmm. because we've continuously had talk about the stars looking different, different constellations, the sun looking bigger. And so we start this one with this beautiful sky, purple and all of this. And then we have the light fading, the stars coming out, them waking up when the stars and realizing that the time has passed because the stars have moved. And then there is just a door of light. Mm -hmm. And a person who comes out of it is dressed in blue with golden hair. Mm -hmm. And carrying a candle. And it's the carrying a candle part. Like, obviously, she's physically dressed in blue and with yellow hair and is a very, like, sky and light imagery, star imagery. Mm -hmm. But she's carrying a single candle, which is, once again, her bringing light. She came out of light bringing light. Mm -hmm. 
And she's the light bringer. She brings it right at the dawn. She comes walking out with this candle right as dawn is beginning to break and the sky is beginning to lighten. Is this actually Lucifer? Is she the dawn? Is she the morning star? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Mm -hmm. There's, I don't know, it's just like there's a lot going on there with the imagery that you could say like, oh yeah, well, maybe she's an angel. Maybe she is a star. Maybe she is... The morning star, like you joke, she's Lucifer. Like, who knows? We mm-hmm. don't know. Who's her daddy, though? But who is her dad? Is is this a situation where, like, who's going to come through the door next? Is it Aslan? Is it the emperor across the sea? Is it the, whole, the, the title some of the next... other wizard? Like, is this... it Father Christmas? Like, who's going to come through that door next? Who knows? The, the title of the next chapter doesn't really help us in... Uh doesn't give anything away i think it's be, uh it's called this one is the beginning of the end of the world uh-huh so which we've already been told is what this is yeah so doesn't give anything away about what this might be all about uh so yeah should we move on is that oh we we forgot one crucial detail yeah is that ryan Alf gets dialogue here who yeah i know that guy he actually who? he actually gets a line Oh, I have another really important thing that I wanted to talk about, too. And I feel like since it's the only line that Ryan Elf gets in the book, we should read it out of respect to him. All right. Um, do I got to find it again. You didn't write it down. I didn't. I know. I'm. How disrespectful I know. to our favorite character from the book. Oh, yes. I wanted to read this, too, because I, I thought it was... Uh, the an character interest- that Lucy made visible. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting turn of phrase. Reynolds says, the light's going uncommon quick. Yes, the light is going yes. uncommonly fast. It, no. The sun is setting quickly. Well, that, yes. The days are getting shorter. Anyway, I thought that would be a really good opening line of the book, of not this book, but a book in general. Yeah. Just opening line saying, the light's going uncommon quick. Yes, but that, what that means is... <laughs> The light is going in an oddly fast manner. God, this is the worst that's, episode. That's, no, that's what it means. <laughs> You're the one who's reading we, it wrong. The light isn't going uncommon. We can't record this on a lack of sleep anymore. <laughs> I liked my interpretation of it better. I know. Anywho. But also, I can say once upon a time, and you can think about it as getting up on top of a time to go for a ride. That's, because you're getting upon a time. That sound delightful. Anyway, if uh, if anybody out there personally knew Lewis in life and knew exactly what he meant by this line, please email us. Also, we'd love to have you on the show. Anywho, you had an important thing to mention. I mentioned my Ryan Elf line. You had another thing. Yes. What do you got? We used the word starboard. We did. We, we finally need to know what that means. Yep. We finally need it's to know what that means. Really and important also, information. It's in the star chapter. Whoa, dude. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, when he went on his little diatribe about where we need to yep. know our port and our starboard mm-hmm. and our bow and our stern. Yeah. And our poop and our forecastle. Which, fortsle. Which I really think somewhere like buried in like the archives of like Lewis's descendants or the estate, they've got like a chest of like the lost chapters of this book that he just like <laughs> spends pages and pages and pages talking about sailing. <laughs> it's like... The uh, the apocrypha of Don Treader. 
I want to find that. Anyway, so should we go on to our rewrites now? I think we've covered pretty much all the things that happened. And I have a lot more to talk about, but I'm saving it for my baseless speculation, so. Okay, I think that they're all hungry. Mm-hmm. Starbird. Yep. Cool. Uh, so what do we do next, Kristen? We do our rewrites. So as you and I are reading through the chapter, Chris, sorry, dear listeners, as Chris and I are reading through the chapter, forgot you were here too. Yeah. Uh, we, we would do this whether we're recording or not. We just sit, sit together <laughs> once a week and discuss Narnia. <laughs> oh. um, so as we are reading the chapter... We will also select out five sentences, much like we did for our summary, Mm -hmm. but in an attempt to tell a new story with this chapter's words. So we are trying to cut and paste, uh, you know, let's call it blackout poetry. Yeah. And we are trying to make a new story. That'd be fun to do with one of these chapters eventually. Yeah. I do believe that I'm going first since you did your summary first. Correct. All right. Just getting my sentences ready all right then i will go ahead and read it might be giants said edmund in a lower voice it looks like a haystack to me said caspian they wrapped themselves in their sea cloaks and sat still and waited dead said caspian it must be an enchanted sleep said lucy okay so we find a big hairy giant or something. Yep. Is Rumble Buffin back? He might Is be this dead. the return of Rumble Buffin? Mm-hmm. Cool. That's, that's fun. That's all. Uh, so I, what I really wanted to do here, which I also started with Edmund, which is funny. What I really wanted to do was come up with like some sort of allusion to like the old man in the sea with Roop or something and mm. just like really get into Roop's character and I just couldn't make it happen <laughs> because like I just the the line being like Roop stayed on the ship I was just like I want to do something with that <laughs> because I want to explore Roop and who he is because the chapter doesn't do it for me but I couldn't make it work my summary is or my rewrite is as follows Edmund who had been looking more and more uncomfortable for the last few minutes now spoke he wished to see no more islands after a moment's pause, Reepicheep's small voice was heard. What should we do but seek adventure after adventure? Those strange new constellations burned in the east. Hmm. I like that. Thank you. That's so, fun. Mm-hmm. I said this, uh, this moment of Edmund being done with things. Yep. That's yeah. how I feel constantly. No. Yeah. <laughs> I just want more serious, dramatic conversations between the characters in this book. So, made one happen. Give me the drama! But what should we do? Alright, cool. So that was the rewrite. So we can go into our uh, our baseless speculation. Or my baseless speculation, because you've read this book before. You mostly know what happens. Mm-hmm. I have not. And I... There's still a lot of... Uh, you know, there's still a lot of threads that haven't been tied off. Like, there's still a lot of possibilities for where the book could go in the last three chapters. However, you did find all three of the lords at the same time. We have found the lords, so we cannot speculate as to where any of the other lords are. We found them all. Our quest is done. Cool. I thought you would be upset about that. (sighs) I thought you would be upset about the fact that they were just all in the same spot. It's a good change of pace. 
Because we still have three chapters to, like, wrap things up or, like, go off to the edge of the world or whatever. Yeah. And, like, yeah, just, just hey, we're looking out to find, we're setting off to find seven lords. Here's an island with a lord on it. Here's an island with a lord on it. And just doing that seven times would just be really Here's an dumb. island with nobody on it. Yeah. Here's an island with invisible people on it. Here's a sea monster. Yeah, but, like, having one lord per island is just, like... Yeah, finding them all it, together. It gets very rote. Does make sense. So it 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 changes uh changes the pace up a little bit and it's nice. Here's so, the gold statue we think was a lord. So first off, I think we can safely call this island gluttony. Like not really, like I'm I'm really stretching to make it fit, but this also broke uh the other theory where we talked about each book being representative of a single sin. And I think this chapter, I mean, among others, but this chapter specifically kind of throws a wrench in that because I thought, uh, I think previously we had talked about this book being pride. If it was the case that every book was a different deadly sin, this was the pride book. But there's just nothing here that even seems proud except for maybe the one captain that doomed, or the, not the captain, the one lord that doomed them. And it's just like, no, we, we sail and picks up the knife to threaten them. And he was too proud, like rape a cheap or something. And what like, if it's wrath? We don't have a wrath yet. And it was his wrath. It could that, be wrath that doomed them. That's true. I just this I, also could be lust, since you have your little flirty moment with Caspian. Yeah, I liked the glut. I I liked the gluttony thing though, because like it would be like an ironic take on gluttony, because like here's this enormous feast and like these lords get doomed because they don't partake of it. Yeah. And so... Could also be sloth. They've been sleeping for seven years. It could be, but then we have to rename the first island. I just... I should stop talking about this theory until we've actually <laughs> finished the book and I can really, like, nail down what all of these are. Yeah. I will do it. This this is something that I'm committed to making work. You'll write an academic paper on it. Um. So, but making, making it gluttony, I, I like that in an ironic kind of way. I gotcha. Um, so now that's settled, who is the lady? Who's the lady in the blue dress? Um, I had this running idea, you know, running idea for two paragraphs of the book Yep. where I was like, is she the son? Because we have this line yeah. from Aslan. Which, that's, I, which is a star that, yeah. that agrees with what I said earlier. Yeah. But she is the coming dawn, where she arrives with the candle, right, as, yes, okay, like, do like. Yeah. We have this idea with Aslan of, as what? Uh, you know, we have this idea that Aslan had talked about to Kariakin a couple chapters ago, where he's like, many stars will come to rest in islands before something, something happens. Yeah. And so maybe this is like a literal take on that, and like, maybe she's the sun, maybe she's like a star, maybe like the morning star, even though that's only a thing on Earth, and I don't think that, uh... Narnia has a morning star. That wouldn't make a lot of sense. Because, you know, there's no Venus. As we mentioned, this is not a Narnia cosmology podcast. It's not. It'll <laughs> Maybe eventually we'll, we'll read that book on Narnian cosmology that we bought a long time ago and talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, and then that got ruined by her being like, oh, but you have to meet my father. And I was like, I guess it, it still could be the case. But for some reason, I just don't like the idea of, a, of the son having a father. Like, wh- what would the son's fa- parent be? Like, the son is just like this, you know... Aslan, who's saying it into existence. 
Could be. Possibly. Hydrogen. Yeah. Uh, and but but we have the imagery of being here being like, oh, you have to meet my dad, and when she says that, light starts appearing. Yep. And so maybe he's the star, and she's something. You know, she's a starborn. Um, Whoa. <laughs> or yeah, or <laughs> we're getting into the Dresden verse here. Those only happen every six hundred and sixty-six years. Yep. It's been a while, so. I feel like this is going to go unfinished and my baseless speculation is going to have to bleed into the next chapter once we learn who her father is. But that's my my initial impression is that she is a celestial object of some variety. I and see. that's that's why the relationship between her and Caspian just isn't going to work. Oh, yeah. It's just like, you know what, you're, you're sweet and you're a handsome lad and you're this young king and everything, but like... I'm a celestial object that weighs 70 quintillion tons and like <laughs> I'm 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 hot enough to instantly vaporize you so like this really this really just can't work. Yeah. <sighs> totally. I see that. <laughs> so I see Lewis doing that. Uh-huh. This is how Lewis handles in anything remotely close to romance. Mhm. It's like in the next chapter, Caspian kisses her and is instantly burned in ashes. <laughs> it's like... It's like that's a object lesson about why you shouldn't... It's like have, touching the gold water on Death Island. Yeah, why you shouldn't have premarital kisses. Yep, totally. Yeah. Anyway. So, that's my speculation. That's what I got. I really... Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm intrigued. I, I I really want to go somewhere with the the other people that have come through here and have named this place, and some call it the world's end. Yeah. So will we encounter anybody else that sailed further than this as we go off into the the rest of the book? Where are the rest of the sailors from the ship? Don't know. Where's the ship? Like, obviously, the ship stopped here. Like, it went no further. Unless the lords got off and the sailors, like, pieced off. And they are just like, well, they're cursed, so might as well turn around and go home. But when they arrived here, the ship was, like, not really seaworthy. So it seems yeah. unlikely that they were able to turn that bad boy around and go back to Narnia. Did the lady show up? Has the lady talked to the crew? Who knows? Cool. So that's what I got. You know. No one cares about the uncommoners or the the commoners. Oh, no, are... of course not. Only people of noble and royal bloodlines are worthy of our attention here. Yeah, obviously. Yep. Cool. That's what I got. Unless you have anything to add, we can close this out. No, I think that's about it. Thank you so much for joining us today as we discussed chapter 13 of The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Three more weeks. We'll ne- finish this book. Next week, we will be discussing chapter 14, because that's how numbers work. Mm-hmm. Um, and this that chapter is the beginning of the end of the world. Whoa. Even though this island is called the world's end. Because <laughs> it's the beginning of the end. Like, it, yeah. Yep. The, the nomenclature is very confusing. It is. It is. <laughs> but seagulls, do you remember? <laughs> um, so... I forgot what frogs sound like. <laughs> anyway... But you did. You, you were like, those sound like frogs? <laughs> yes, Chris. They were frogs. 
many, many frogs. <laughs> In the meantime, if you want to tell us your thoughts, opinions, feelings, no spoilers for Chris, about the uh, show, about our discussion, send us, you know, your fan art of the dark sky before the dawn. I was going to say, I'll have a blue dress that could also be a gold dress. Ooh. You can do that on Facebook and Instagram at Chronically Podcast. On Twitter at Chronically Pod. You can email us your fan art and all of that jazz uh, at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. And you can support us via Patreon if that's your jam uh, at patreon.com slash chronicallypodcast. Until next time. Wait until the wind dies before you carry a candle across a yard. See, mine was going to be, remember that strange lady is handing out candles on silver candlesticks is no basis for a system system of government. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, keep that in mind. Yeah, if you come come to a table with a big scary knife, Mm -hmm. don't pick up the knife. Yep. You know, you don't want your prints in the murder weapon. Usually just just good advice for life. (laughs) <laughs> with For, that we should with with zero context also still good advice you don't want your prints on the murder weapon you don't. anyway we are not advocating or any kind of crime we are just saying mm-hmm. if someone does commit a crime your prints should not be on the murder weapon because then you'd be a suspect is I was joking in several. Ep- I, it was in this book. It was several episodes ago that I was joking about this turning into a crime advice podcast. <laughs> like uh, it's just slowly going to become that. Anyway, we should go before we incriminate ourselves. Anyway, Let's thank go. you so much for joining <laughs> us, and see ya. Bye. Well, we can always throw a rope overboard or something. <laughs> Those new stars were big and bright, and the nights were warm. Deep in the heart of Texas. So we go on board the, uh, you know, on board. Yep, that's how you go do on board with the island. Yeah, that's how you do with islands. You get in board. You get on board. <laughs> well, when we start, I introduce the chapter name, and then I introduce myself, and then you introduce yourself, uh-huh. and then we do summaries. Um, I was trying not to do okay. that again. Like what? Are you aware of how clouds make the light look? Yeah. But. Nope, don't know anything about that way. Uh huh. It was like, oh, so you thought Eustace was. You thought the whole book had a dragon. Yeah. It's, it's on the cover! It's on the cover. on Twitter. You can do that at... Do you need a script? (laughs) (laughs) And and she's just like, nope, different. Here, you cannot kiss the press Hello, testing. Testing. Should I yawn? Because I'm tired. Uh, You can't make yourself yawn. That just seems like you're in pain. Wow. (sighs) That was weird.